Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Yes, it is free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good evening, good evening. This is the More Wine and Music podcast. I am your host, Harriet Westmore. Uh, sorry, I am late, but this is a uh, going to be a good show tonight. It's going to be short, um, but it's going to be a good show. So let's get started. All right. So welcome to the More Wine and Music podcast. This is season two, episode number three. Um, Before I get started, a little bit of housekeeping. Please go to the website, um, www.morewineandmusic.com, where you can buy some cool merch, some There's a coffee mug, there are t-shirts, one in white and one in black with the More Wine and Music podcast logo on them. And also I have uh, created a, what you call a buy me a coffee. Buy me a coffee is a special uh, place where you can, um, people can send donations and get special perks. So for $5 a month, um, you will get a um, personal shout out to the show. Um, among some other uh, exclusive uh, messages and posts from me. So if you'd be so kind to buy me a coffee and it's buymeacoffee.com backslash more wine music is my actual account. And for $5 a month, you will get a personal shout out and also um, some other cool perks. All right, so let's get started. This is episode number three. And this week I'm going to be talking about Buddy Bolden. He is another a another um, innovator of the early jazz. He created um, one of the cool uh, ways of playing in his music. He was a cornet player. So here we are talking about him. Um, Some people think of him as the father of jazz, um, although there are no live recordings of him actually playing, um, but he was a great innovator of the jazz genre. Um, He created a certain style, certain tone of the jazz 
music that people began to emulate after he was long gone. So Charles Buddy Bolden was born on September 6th of 1877. And that was the same year of the reconstruction era of the Civil War. So he was born right after the um, period of the reconstruction era, right after the Civil War. And he was born in New Orleans in a central part of New Orleans called Central City. Um, by all accounts, um, Central City and that part of the neighborhood in New Orleans was considered a culturally diverse area. So he witnessed a lot of uh, different diversity as far as races, um, white, black, Spanish, you know, like I was explaining last week about um, Jolly Roll Morton, he was uh, known as Creole. So that was an interracial mixture of uh, black, white, Spanish, French. And those were all the cultures that were in uh, Central City. So he was able to um, experience a lot of the music that was um, integrated in that neighborhood. And um, that was part of uh, Central City. So, but unfortunately, I don't know too much about his parents other than that his um he came, he was only one of two siblings. Um, he was he and his sister. His father tragically died um, um, from pneumonia. So I think that was at the age of 10. So that was around 1887. Um, his father had died of pneumonia. So it was just his mom and his sister and buddy. So they moved out of the central uh, city um, after he lost his dad and moved close towards um, another section of town called Storyville, which is a historically known um, Black section of New Orleans. And to make ends meet, his mother and his sister took in um, laundry. So they became um, laundress. Um, so they did other people's uh, clothes. They washed other people's clothes to make ends meet. Um, Buddy took a special interest in music at a very young age. He was given a, a clarinet um, at a very young age, and he taught actually taught himself. He didn't know how to read music, so he taught himself how to uh, play. And you know, with everyday practice, 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 practice makes perfect. And he practiced and practiced and practiced some more. So he became very good at um, playing to where he was given the opportunity to play at um, his neighborhood, um, neighborhood haunts like the Union Halls, um, all the uh, jute joints, all the um, brothels, because he actually, they did live in that district, uh, the Red Lock district. Um, so at a very young age, 
he played in the brothels. And that's, you know what, and that's not too, you know, uncommon for um, jazz musicians. That's basically where they um, played anyway, were in brothels. So, I mean, that that's how they, you know, got their, made their mark um, because those type of areas were very open to new music and to new styles of music. So therefore, uh, that's where he got his opportunity to play. It was at the turn of the century, of the 20th century, that um, Buddy um, became part of a, uh, a band and he was, uh, his famous uh, instrument was the cornet. Now he went from learning how to play the clarinet to the cornet. And so this is where he started to hone in on his craft. Uh, he was uh, known from his band members to play really loud on the horn. So that's um, how he came became to get noticed because of his playing was so loud. And so people would call him um, Big Noise because he would make that cornet sound be loud. I mean, very loud. So also what was interesting is the fact that he developed a style which was called improvisation, which means he improvised um, his music. A lot of times, like I said before, he didn't know how to read music. So he listened to this, you know, the familiar songs that were already out and he put his own spin um, put his own improvisation to the music and, it, you know, and, and made it his own. So he was created what was known in the jazz, you know, in the jazz scene, as far as um, style of playing was called the big four. And basically what it is, is that rather than uh, having a four beat, steady beat, like boom, 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 boom. That was the steady beat of the drums. That's the regular straightforward. What Buddy Bolden did, he improvised and called it the big four because with that beat, he managed to do a uh, skip beat to it. So it was boom, 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 boom. That, and with that, um, he was able to uh, allow do some uh, other creativity with that. So with his, with the sound of that, with his horn playing, he was able to add a little bit of, um, you know, pizzazz and jazz to that, to the, to the music, which is what is what jazz is all about anyway. It's about improvisation. So you would take a regular song, um, that was supposed to have been played straightforward, but if you take it in a jazz style, you can turn it up turn, you know, turn the beat up, change the beat and, you know, change the tone of the music, add a little bit of more um, chords to it, add a little more um, complex uh, changing of, of, of the style and the sound. And, you know, it, it, it'll, you can either, you know, pep it up. And that's basically what, that's basically what jazz is. And Buddy Bolden was the actual one who started that. And so he made a big uh, 
impression on other jazz artists because he gave way of taking a song and making it his own. He put his own personality and put his own style to, to the music and people loved it. I mean, you would go to um, all these uh, brothel houses and the red light district, all the clubs and the union halls and stuff. And he would, you know, do some improvisation, you know, in the music that was playing and they would go wild. They would be on that dance floor, you know, dancing and swinging and, and you know, they loved it. So um, that, that was his, uh, that was his trademark. And again, that was what um, is basically known for him um, as a, as a musician, one of the early artists, because he created um, some called improvisation. He improvised uh, the sound of music. He could take, like I said, take a simple song and change the beat to it, at, up, up step the beat, you know, to um, actually what they said was he, uh, the beat was uh, up step to where the drums and the cymbals would be able to play together. So you hear that pooch, pooch, that type of uh, music. So that that's that type of uh, beat. So it will kick it up. And then from that, you can add the horns. They come in and do, 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 you know, just add on, to, add to whatever. And, you know, each band player add on to that. So that that's, you know, that was what started the whole thing of jazz. Well, at the age of 30 in 1906, um, he was very well known in the black section of town, which was called um, Storyville in New Orleans. And I mean, he was so well known to where every morning children would um, go by his house in the morning, every like in the mornings, they would come by his house and listen, because he would. That's when he would practice his music. So kids would, you know, gather around in the front of his house and you know just hear him play. That that's how popular he was. I mean, he even got the little kids' attention. Kids like to hear him play. And again, um, you know, the sound of jazz was just it brought out um, everybody. I mean, I don't care what side of the tracks you came from. People all over who liked that a new sound that they've never heard before, they would come to the black section of town, so to speak, just to hear the live music. So um, he was known, He at this time, he was known as King Bolden. He wasn't just Buddy Bolden. He was known as King Bolden because he was the king of, of jazz. He was the king of uh, of the party and, and king of his, of getting that, uh, getting that step, they were stepping it up a notch, so to speak. As with everything, when you play as an artist, um, playing in these type of uh, venues, you know, always goes with the, the drinking, the womanizing, you know, whatever, always the seedy side. And unfortunately, King Bolden was no exception. He was known as to be a, a very heavy drinker. He was an alcoholic, basically. Um, 
Um, because you know when he played, I mean he he would, uh, you know he'll drink and party along right with the audience. But after a while, it became um, bad enough to where he was starting to mix, miss gigs. So he would be too drunk to perform. You know, he wouldn't show up to a lot of the uh, scheduled dates that um, he and his band had. So that causes a problem. And then after that, people started noticing something else about him. You know, with his heavy drinking, um, King Bolden had, um, he had headaches. He used to have a, a lot of headaches, you know, you know, people might say, well, that's just hung, you know, being hung over all the, you know, from heavy drinking. But it was more than that because with the headaches, he began to start acting irrational. He would start talking to himself, you know, just talking, just saying stuff that just didn't make sense. And he would also after a while started, you know, just starting an argument with um, his bandmates. Um, he'll be okay. You know, one day and the next day he'll just go off and, you know, start um, constantly starting, you know, arguing with them. And then he developed uh, paranoia. He was always afraid that some other um, artist, musician will upstage him. He always had that fear or, or that paranoia that someone, you know, that someone is would take his shine away from him. So he always would, you know, argue and, and worry about that. It became to a bad point to where he was beginning to be afraid of everything. Um, just, you know, paranoid that people were um, just... Uh, trying to overshadow him. And so it, it basically came to a head in um, September of 1906, where every year in New Orleans, um, as always, they have a uh, band, a parade in the city. And King Bolden and, and his band, I mean, they were always the ones that would play in the band. Well, this particular September, um, he was, they were in um, formation to march in the band, getting ready for the band, get ready to march down the street. And he just up and left. He left, he got out of line and just walked away. No explanation, didn't tell anybody nothing. He just had his horn um, and just left. And that was pretty much it as far as him playing again. Um, it, you know, his mom tried to step in and try to help him. Um, and because he was always just irrational and, and paranoid. And so he was, he didn't play again after, after that. Um, it got to the point six months later after that September, um, six months later in um, 1907, he was staying back home with his mom. 
and his mom couldn't take care of him. I mean, he, it was to the point now, you know, she had to call the police on him because she was afraid, actually afraid of him, afraid for her safety and, and afraid that she was going to harm her and, or harm himself or harm someone else. So he had, she had to, you know, call the police and the police took him away and he spent, he was put into um, the state asylum in Louisiana and he spent the rest of his life um, in asylum. And you look back at this now um, as a, you know, I'm not a licensed mental health uh therapist or anything, but I do have mental health background. I just don't have license. Um, he was basically, you look at it now, it's obvious that he was um, paranoid schizophrenic. But back then, you know, they just, you know, throw you in, in, a, in an asylum. And that's where he, he stayed. He died on November 4th in 1934. So um, his life was cut short. Um, you don't know what the onset, you don't know what causes um, mental illness, like a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, it's just something that just, you know, comes, come on, comes on. Um, like I said, the early signs of, uh, of paranoid is, is schizophrenia is when you start thinking irrationally um, and you, you know, just start talking to yourself because you're actually hearing voices in your, you know, in your mind, you're actually communicating with the voices in your mind. And so people are all on the outside, you know, obviously they can't hear, hear the voices what's going on in your head, but you know, you're actually, you know, talking to somebody that's in your head. So that that's one of the symptoms of um, schizophrenia. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, I know I, I don't think there were any kind of med medication, you know, other than I don't even think I don't even know if it was shock therapy back then. That was like later on, like in the 40s and 50s, I believe. But um, unless they did a lobotomy and lobotomy, you know, that's pretty much taking parts of your brain though. I mean, they're doing, you know, taking away some of your brain for you where they think that um, the illness is on the part of your brain. So that's that's what a lobotomy is. I, I, it didn't say that he, he received that or not, but otherwise, I mean, he never played again. He was, you know, too far gone to do that. But it wasn't until after he died that, you know, he, his music still lived on and there's um, artists after him that paid homage to him. One was um, Jelly Roll Morton, who I talked about last week. Um, he recorded the song Buddy Bolden Blues. Um, Sidney Vachey, he recorded, he's another horn player who recorded the song Buddy Bolden Stomp. Um, the Duke, Duke Ellington, um, later on recorded and made a song in dedicated to uh, Buddy Bolden called Hey, Buddy Bolden. And uh, Wynton Marcellus uh, created a um, whole uh, series of, of songs um, dedicated to 
Buddy Bolton called the best of Buddy Bolton. That was back in 92. So there's only one uh, living picture of him. Um, it's, uh, if you would look him up, there's just one, one surviving picture of him. And like I said, um, there's no actual, from what historians are, have said that there's no actual live recording. He never, they never recorded, get a chance to record any of their, um, songs. So you can't actually hear him, um, play because he never wrote music because he didn't know how, he didn't know how to read music. So he never wrote, there aren't any sheet music of, of his songs. Everything that he played, he played from here. So, you know, it, it's it's pretty sad that, you know, musicians like that. And like I said, it, he's not the only one. You look back at it, and I was pretty, you know, it's not uncommon for, you know, you, they're considered geniuses, really. Um, you have a very talented uh, artist or creativity of artists who, for whatever reason, their minds just um, go into a psychotic um, break. Uh, look what happened to anybody, everybody know, um, familiar with Donny Hathaway. He was a musical genius. He was a musical genius and he stuffed, um, suffered from schizophrenia and he ended up, you know, pretty much killing himself. So uh, it, it's very sad. And it, it's something that, you know, we have to understand and um, get help for mental illness because the, the mental illness is real. It, it's not anything that you can just um, slough off and, you know, say, you know, it, it, it'll go away because it, it doesn't, it'll get worse if you don't get, you know, help, help for it or get the right meds to stable yourself. You can live, still live a productive life, um, given the right medication and the ther therapy. Um, so I, that's just a, uh, public service announcement. Um, if you are have issues, depression, anxiety, or, you know, I'm not saying the onset of that to that point of schizophrenic, or, you know, a loved one that may have, you know, some of the early signs of that, you know, I, you know, urge to get help. You know, just, you know, don't think that you're suffering alone because a lot of these uh, artists, they suffer alone because a lot of people didn't want to, um, didn't know how to help or was in too much of, you know, family can be too much in denial of, of their loved one who may be ill. And that's not helping the loved one by being in denial. Uh, so we have to you know, take care of our friends and family and our loved one. All right. So that is it for King Bolden. Um, I will be on vacation start of next week. So I won't have a um, episode uh, 
until the week after. So in two weeks, I will be back and I'll be talking about Joseph Nathan Oliver, who is an also king called King Oliver. So again, um, hit that like and subscribe. And if you so want to um, buy me a coffee, um, hit the buymeacoffee.com backslash more wine music and become a $5 subscriber and you will get extra little perks. I'll give you a personal shout out on the show. So, all right, you guys take care and I will see you in two weeks. All right, good night. Mm -hmm.